and welcome to episode number 120 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen as we run down all the big news, all the big happenings, all the big bets that are going down in this crazy gambling industry. Guys, we're at the Lions US on Twitter, PlayPicks US on Twitter. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2, Brett is at Brett Colson and Brad is at Brad Allen. NFL. We are going to jump right into this slate. It is a full, full, full slate, so we don't want to waste any of your time here beating around the bush. So let's go ahead and get into everything here real quickly. If you did tail us um, on Thursday night, we got a little bit lucky on the over. I got a little bit lucky there. I do feel like we got a little lucky, but that is perfectly fine. The tickets all cash the same. The money spends the same, whether we got lucky or not. Um, Brad, big takeaways at all for you from from the game on Thursday night? Um, I mean, one of them is just how bad Bill O'Brien is. Like, you know, they're down twenty four seven. They're rushing the ball for trying to trying to pick up four yards at a pop and not you know punting away on fourth down. And I, I was trying to work out what was going on this morning, and someone said to me, "Well, maybe he's just scared of his job. And they're like, maybe he's scared of giving up fifty one and getting blown out again." But I, you know, we we discussed it. Wednesday or whenever it was, they had cornerback injuries. You've got this team of speedsters on the outside. Just chuck the ball downfield. You've got, you know, you've got that. Stop trying to pick up four yards of pop. And I guess it was play keep away from the homes. But, you know, when you're down 24-7, that, that's got to go out the window and you, you've got to start chucking it away. And you seem to play safe to me. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. That was one of my big takeaways. We have, Brett and I have never been a fan of old Bob here on the show at all, and I'm, it looks like that's going to continue again this season. Brett, any big takeaways from you from the game on Thursday night? That was it. Where were the explosive mm-hmm. pass attempts downfield? You have all that speed, all those weapons. Why aren't you making use of them in the first half? I just, the dump-offs to David Johnson, Duke Johnson, I just I don't get it. Um, so that was it. I admittedly only watched like the first 10 minutes of the game, I don't watch Thursday night football. I watched the condensed version on Friday, so I'll have to dive into it a little more today. But yeah, that was that was my immediately ta- immediate takeaway is what are the Texans doing on offense in the first half? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me too is there's this narrative going around out there that you know all the defenses are definitely going to be ahead of the offenses, and uh, you know there hadn't been enough time. There hadn't been enough, well, one of the things that we pointed out on the pod on Wednesday, and I think this will be something we'll talk about a little bit further as we kind of move into the big slate here is just the fact that the chiefs returned 20 of 22 starters. This was the same offense. This was the same coach. This was the same scheme. This was the same everything. And so I think that you can try and paint this broad brush that you think that the defenses are going to be ahead of the offenses, but when there's as much continuity on a team and there's only a handful of teams that have kind of something sort of what the chiefs have, but when you have as much continuity as they had, they did not look rusty at all. They looked like a fine oiled machine the entire game moving up and down the field. I mean, a couple of errant throws from Mahomes here and there, but uh, by and large, it did not look like this team that was all clunky or rusty or any kind of anything like that. And so uh, continuity, I do believe, is going to be pretty, pretty big thing here as we move into week one of the NFL. And let's just kick things off with one of those teams that I think that we'll probably look at from that angle here in this Bucks and Saints game. So the Bucks, the much ballyhooed Bucks here, are going to be heading to the Superdome to take on the Saints. As we look over here at DraftKings, this thing is sitting at three and a half right now, a total 
of 48. Brad, um, I don't know how much you're buying into the Bucks here. Of course, they bring in Brady. They pull Gronk out of retirement just this week. They signed Leonard Fournette in that backfield right there. I It's kind of hard to poke holes in the offense unless you believe that Brady is completely washed with all the playmakers they have. But are you buying into everything that's going on with this, with this Bucks team? Um, I'm not really, no. So, I mean, I, I, it doesn't seem like a natural fit to me. Um, you know, we, we know about Brady. He was like 32nd in, in the NFL in throwing downfield last year. And we know that that's what Arians wants to do. Um, we know that Arians quarterbacks, especially in the first year of the scheme, you know, there, there was a great piece uh, earlier this year that went through all of the quarterbacks the first year they played in Arians scheme. And they averaged about 45 sacks. Um, and Brady kind of averages, I mean, he took 25 last year. So, the scheme and you know they, they've said in camp that it's Brady adapting to Arians rather than the other way around so I'm, it, to me if you're going to ask your quarterback to stand there behind an average offensive line especially in this game because the, the offensive line probably doesn't match up well he's going to get hit a lot um, you ask him to throw down field a lot which is not really what he's done in his career since he had Randy Moss it's not what he's done in the last five years or so um, so and, and then now we've got Mike Evans with a with a gammy hammy we don't know if he's going to go he's going to be a game time decision by the looks of it um, so to me, I'm, I, I have a fair few questions about how, how effective the Bucks will be. And again, there's no continuity, as you said, you know, it's going to have Gronk in there. We, we don't know what Gronk looks like. He, he was partying in Miami for a year, lost <laughs> this weight, gained it all back. But you, you don't know what that does to a body as well. So there's a there's a lot of questions about the Bucks offense. Three and a half at FanDuel, three and a half at uh, BetMGM as well, Brett. There is a little bit of discrepancy in the total where we are looking at a 48 flat over at DraftKings. Then you get to 47 and a half at FanDuel. You get to 48 and a half over at BetMGM. So again, we always say, Take advantage of having multiple accounts here, especially if you're betting these numbers, because, I mean, we saw this play out even in the Thursday night game. If you got the worst of the number, you've lost on the total. If you got the best of the number, you won. So these little half points, these full points that you can get at the various books definitely plays out. So uh, take advantage of that as you go at it. Brad, one of the teams uh, that does have continuity is this Saints team. They're coming back pretty much intact here you do add an Emmanuel Sanders into the mix there, which I you would think could only help because there hasn't been that really big-time number two there. Obviously, Michael Thomas, one of the best, if not the best receivers in the game, but there's never really been a go-to second option over the last uh, couple of seasons here for the Saints team. They continue to win despite of that. You add in Emmanuel Sanders, you think that's going to help here. Alvin Kamara seems to be okay with his situation as well, this was a game I know that you kind of highlighted when the lines first came out, when we were talking, you know, a month and a half ago when all these lines dropped because you were saying, how in the hell are the Saints only, uh, you know, th- this type of favorite over this Bucks team that, again, is basically glued together here? Yeah, I had this one circled for all the reasons you guys already laid out. Uh, all the, you know, the steam, the hype around the box, inflating uh, their their value in the market. But after diving into it, I don't I don't love this matchup mm-hmm. for New Orleans, a team that didn't have a lot of success rushing the passer last season. They were among the luckier teams in the NFL with injuries and turnover margin, seven and one in one score games. Is this Saints team as good as we think they are in 2020? Or is there positive variance from 2019 baked in here? Um, so I yeah, I, I'm kind of off the Saints now. I, I, you know, the three and a half is, 
I would feel better about three, but I don't think it's ever going to get there. Right. I would not think it gets to three, Brad. I can't imagine. I, I can't. Well, and if it does, I can't imagine it staying there for longer than a couple right. of minutes. Like I, I would, you would have to be pretty much right on top of it. If you were going to try to get that three, what do you think, Brad? Um, well, I, I was quite interested to see that the line didn't really move at all with this Mike Evans news. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I thought it might tick up towards four and it pretty, it just didn't really move. So I wonder if he's announced in. Um, whether you might it might tick down to three um you you would think the bucks would be the more popular side as well um you know you do sometimes see some funky line moves on sundays kind of public money just falls in and chases you know the like following a sharp move or something so i personally would bet the the saints at three i I think they're you know solid everywhere you want to be solid top two offensive line top five quarterback coverage I don't, I don't really see what's what's where there's any weakness here, um, especially compared to so much continuity compared to the Bucks. Um, so yeah, I, I I think there's a chance we get three, and if if there was, I would bet it. Yeah, same here. So if this were to get to three, kind of like I'll I'll put in kind of an an official pick here that is that is a mythical pick because it it will have to get to a certain place. But yeah, if this hits three, this is definitely going to hit my account. Um, I think that there's a little bit of a little bit of hype here around this Bucks team. And I think I get it. I you bring in one of the great all times. I get it. You know, you want to, you're going to get some off season headlines for all of that, but I, I believe there's a little bit too much here. That is my play as well on this will be the saints. If this thing gets to three uh, Seahawks at Falcons, the Seahawks head on the road. And with that, they are actually road favorites here. Now there was a big disappointment last year in this, uh, in this Falcons team, just couldn't quite get it going, dealt with a ton of injuries as well along the way. That being said, as we, as we look right now, two and a half point dogs over at FanDuel in this one, Brett. So this thing has even moved a little bit, three point dogs at home against the Seahawks at DraftKings. How do you have this thing playing? Yeah, super soft three at DraftKings. I think Seattle is extremely overrated coming into the season, given what they have on the defensive line right now, rated the worst pass rush by pro football focus. And on a fast track with all these weapons around him, I think Matt Ryan's going to have plenty of time in the pocket for two of the best route runners in the NFL to get open, separate from this, what is a very good Seahawks secondary. But I'm expecting a lot of points here from the Falcons. I think I think this is a game they might just win outright. I, I really like the side here, especially if you can get three. I don't love the juice right now, but, you know, three is, is I think that's a dream number. Brad, sign Todd Gurley. Uh, Austin Hooper is out. Hayden Hurst is in. You already know what they have at the wide receiver position in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, so there's no question marks as to playmakers on this team from the offensive side of the ball. The biggest thing last year was this defense was an absolute joke, and there was a ton of injuries that kind of went along with that as well. We're heading into week one of the season, so you can't blame the injury bug at this point. Should there be a – you hear out of camp, but all camp reports have been pretty rosy, but saying that the defense had been looking better and that play, people were playing better, yada, yada, yada. Nobody's saying like, ah, oh, this team sucks coming out of a training camp. Like you don't, you don't hear that from anybody, but uh, how do you have this one? And are you a little shocked that the home team is, is catching points here? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm probably on Brett's side of this as well. Um, there definitely was. You, you remember mid-season last year? Um, I think Raheem Morris took over the defensive play-calling duties from uh, from the head coach, um, and there, there was a genuine uptick. You remember the first game back against the Saints? They held them to ten points, or something, and then the rest of the season they were, you know, at the, in the top half of the league in in terms of defense against quite a tough schedule. So there's you can build that narrative if you want to kind of buy into. You know, there was an uptick. This is this is the inflection point. This is the reason why there was an uptick. They they do get, you know, they are fully healthy, as you say. So mm. I think they'll they'll be a middle of the pack defense in, in my in my ratings. Um the offense, as um as Brett said again, I think they're gonna score points here. The Seahawks were already sort of a bottom five pass rush in the NFL last year. They they lose Clowney. Um and you know, well, we do know if you're not going to get any pressure. Uh, and meanwhile, the, the Falcons offensive line, it returns five out of five starters. They're going to be pretty solid. So I think Matt Ryan, you know, if he's got time and he's got these weapons up, I think he should, um, I think he should, he should get his points. He should get to, and hopefully if that is the case, then uh, the Seahawks will have to let Russ cook. Um, you know, that, that's kind of, that's kind of the big question. That's the yeah. big question about the Seahawks. They've got, they've got these weapons. They've got Lockett, they've got Metcalf and they've got, probably the second or third best quarterback in the NFL and they just don't let him play. And sometimes when they play these good teams, like when the Chiefs went to visit the Seahawks last year and they have to let Russ throw to keep them in the game. A, you know, I mean, it's great for the over personally. I, I think my favorite bet in this game is over 49 um, because I think they will be forced to throw to mm. keep up and, you know, DK Metcalf, Lockett, they're, they're better than their opposing numbers as well. Um, so that would be my play here over 49. Yeah, and actually we're looking at, at BetMGM sitting at 48 and a half. So if you want to go ahead and, and take the over, you'd head over to BetMGM and bet that one there. Um, I'm along the same guy line as you guys, and this is not always going to happen in all these games, we promise you, but uh, we, will, we will disagree. But I just think the wrong team is favored here. I don't know why this, uh, this Falcons team, first game of the year, assuming health here again, would be coming in as, as a dogs. Uh, I got the worst. Well, like you said, Brett, that's kind of a, a flimsy three there. So I actually have opened a teaser with this one with the Falcons team, took them up to eight and a half. I'll tell you how I close this thing out a little bit later as we go down the the list of games here. But uh, yeah, so this was, this was an open of a teaser here, a home team in the Falcons that I think is probably should be favored. If not just a pick them anyway, uh, bring them up through the two key numbers there to eight and a half. And I feel very, very confident in having a Falcons plus eight and a half as one of my legs of a teaser here. So that's kind of how I've got this game played right now. If I had to play the total, I'm with you, Brad. I would lean towards the over in that one uh, as well. Brad, I'm going to start with you because we're about to talk about the Buffalo Bills. Your Buffalo Bills, who are going to be hosting the Jets. Of course, the big news for your Bills team, they did trade for Stephon Diggs. So they have that alpha receiver in camp now in, in the locker room. Sounds like he's behaving. Sounds like he's happy right now. Shouldn't be any problems with chemistry, at least this early in the season. After Josh Allen misses him nine times down the field, we'll see how he's feeling about all that whenever he whenever he gets open and would have walked in for a touchdown. But uh, Jets are coming to take on your Bills. This Jets team projected to have one of the absolute worst defenses in all of the NFL. 
Yeah, if you can get this at six and a half right now and you like the bills, I highly advise getting it into your account right now because it's going to go to seven by Sunday for sure. And I do like the bills quite a bit here, a team that had very little turnover. We talk about continuity. It's going to be a theme here on this podcast is continuity. Very little turnover on the coaching staff, the roster. Uh, They traded a draft pick to bring in Stefan Dix to help them now. And, you know, the lack of a downfield playmaker was very apparent Mm -hmm. in their playoff loss to Houston last year. So I was extremely happy to see them address that in the in the uh, in the offseason. And the Jets are not built to beat the Bills defense. You know, we're, we're looking at really windy and sloppy conditions on Sunday. How is Sam Darnold going to pick apart this Bills secondary that's already elite in 15 plus mile per hour, 20 mile per hour gusts? I just don't see it happening. And they can't run the football. They were the, one of the worst rushing football teams in the NFL last year. Lev, Lev Bell was terrible last year. So, you know, I, I just I don't envision Darnold being able to score many points here. And I trust Brian Dabble to, to scheme yards, find ways to get the ball into the hands of uh, Stephon Diggs. Keep him happy early in the season. And uh, I love the Bills as a player. Brad, we're looking at a total here of 39 and a half. Brett just mentioned should be sloppy conditions. So we're seeing that kind of play out here with this total. You look at this Jets team. They did go out and draft Denzel Mims to try to help on the offensive side of the ball. The problem is, is he can't be on the, he can't stay on the field. This guy has not practiced with the team in about a month, he's still dealing with these hamstring injuries. Doesn't look like he's going to be a factor at all for this Jets team as well. So now you kind of go back to, all right, they got a pretty bad defense, projected to have a bad defense. And then on top of that, they, they they went out to try to get a playmaker to help Sam Darnold. This guy's not going to be on the field. Is there is there any way you can convince us that we should be looking harder at the Jets here? No. I mean, <laughs> so week, one, <laughs> week one, you, you want to be on the bad teams from last year. You want to be against the good teams from last year, um, and especially teams who relied on their defense to get to the record because, you know, we know that's going to regress. I think the market underestimates how, how much everyone comes back to the middle. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at the underdogs first, but the matchups here just seem – they just everything points you to Buffalo, you know, just, I don't see how anyone's going to get open. I think the, like, Jameson Crowder is going to be your lead, your lead weapon here. Um, obviously, last year, even with Robbie Anderson on the field, he, you know, I think field stretches are quite important in the NFL. They kind of force the defense to either keep two safety deep, and that just opens up so much space. But if you've just got Jameson Crowder, you, you're playing in a phone box down there, and the Bills are so well coached, they've got two superb safeties, they, they've got one of the best corners in the NFL. And if it's windy as well, like the the, the bill, the the Jets aren't going to move the ball at all. Um, so it's basically for, for me, it was it's under or or the Bills. Mm. Um, I've not really decided yet because I'm not sure how well the, the Bills are going to move the ball. Because I, I, I really like the dig signing because we know we know Josh Allen's weakness is, is accuracy. Um, and there's there's a couple of NFL coaches have said that Diggs is one of like the best trackers of the deep ball they've ever seen. So you could you could miss him by five yards, but if you just chuck it up high and far enough, he will go and track it down. He, he's that good. But that is literally perfect for Josh Allen. He can just heave it up. He doesn't need to be that accurate. Um, but if there's 20, 20 mile an hour winds, that, that's a bit of a concern for that as well. Um, so all of that to say, I lean under and uh, I lean Bills, but I've not bet either. 
I do have the bills in my account as well. Um, it's just the same for everything that we've mentioned here. I have no confidence whatsoever in the Jets to be able to do anything at all as far as moving the ball. I don't think they have the playmakers to be able to get that done. And then you go into playing right into kind of Bills football here in kind of an ugly, nasty situation where the Bills can hit you with a two-headed monster now in the backfield. Uh, Zach Moss apparently is going to be the second coming here, Brad. I mean, you don't even have to worry. Ellie Singletary is going to be on the sideline by game three if you listen to everyone out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you all here. It's it's Bills for me. Uh, I don't have a play on the total, but I'm with you, Brad. I would lean towards the under in that one uh, too here. Guys, if you have a play in the Bears and Lions, I will let you take over here. I had, I was kind of leaning towards the Lions. Brett and I are a little bit higher on the Lions than most people are. And then the news comes out here. So the Bears are going to be going to Mitchell Trubisky, which led me even more towards leaning, looking at this Lions team. And then the news comes out, Kenny Galladay, uh, limited Wednesday officially, mispractice on Thursday not looking great for him. Matt Patricia said it was just something that happened yesterday and we were just trying to make sure we did a good job of taking a look at it. The most non-statement statement of all statements from a head coach basically saying he's hurt and I'm not going to tell you anymore about him being hurt. So uh, Brad, do you have any interest in this Bears-Lions game? Because with that injury news, uh, it's going to be tough for me to pull the trigger with Galladay being such a big part of that offense. Um, no play for me. I, I thought three was fair. Um, you know, the, the Lions are kind of the trendy team of the mm-hmm. offseason, aren't they? Because of how many players they've lost. The Bears have been untrendy or, you know, the analytics hate them for the last three years because it's all, it's all defense and the, the quarterback's crap. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought the line was fair. I wanted to be with the Lions, but at three, you know, it was just done for me there. And Golladay, yeah, it was too much uncertainty. Brett, do you have any thoughts on this one? Well, I missed my window to get on in this game. I, I don't know why I didn't just bet the Lions minus one and a half while mm-hmm. I was blasting their division futures all, all during June <laughs> and July. But here we are. Now it's three, and it's just not the sexy play it was a few months ago. I do like the Lions a lot. They're a team that had some of the worst injury luck in the NFL last season with Matt Stafford going down. They looked like a fringy playoff team while he was in the lineup. Uh, they are mm-hmm. uh, a trendy fun team coming into the season but the uh, the injuries are a concern and at three this is just a stay away from me in week one total on uh total on that game if you care 42 and a half is kind of the the prevailing total there are 43s out there as well if you're if you're looking to play that one but we're not going to waste your time because nobody is on that but that game here so there is what's that there is a there is a fun fact that really has no predictive value whatsoever about the total the, the lines over is 12 and one in the last 13 week one games. Like how is, how do you explain that? That's crazy. Random. That's how you explain it. Yeah, it is probably, fluky. Yeah, random noise <laughs> is all it is. Brett, I just Brett, thought that was, Brett, fun. I will allow you one trend on this podcast. And that is the last, the one and only trend I, I will ever allow. On I this podcast. said, I said it has I no know. predictive value. I, I just think it's, I interesting. it's a fun fact. But that's from here on. What do you say? You know what? Here's a fun fact. Uh, every time the Gatorade is red, they have, they tend to score over 24 points or whatever. And like, that's just a fun it's fact. Yeah, that's that just works. a fun fact. And we'll tell people, fun facts but do not uh, we want to drive this home (laughs) that none of this stuff should be used in the way that you make a bet god damn i hate trends so much and i can't and everyone is going to know by the end of this podcast just how much 
I, I, I hate trends. Uh, Packers at the Vikings. This is sitting at two and a half at DraftKings, shaded a little bit towards the Vikings. We're looking at a total of 45 over at DraftKings, uh, over at uh, over at FanDuel, two and a half, and that's on one t- 110 on both sides. So you're not having to pay any sort of shaded number there on this one. Guys, everybody seems to be down on the Packers and you kind of look at what they did in the offseason, Brett, and this was something that we kind of picked apart with this team when we were looking at this division as a whole. They did nothing to help Aaron Rodgers at all. They did. They w- used their first-round pick on a quarterback to replace him. They used their second-round pick on a running back, the one position they were actually kind of okay at on the offensive side of the ball. They really, really needed a number two for Devontae Adams because, I mean, as good as this guy is, you would like to think that eventually – Teams are just going to say, we're going to double team this guy. If you want to beat us with Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, or Alan Lazard or whatever, if you want to beat us with those guys, go right ahead. Um, the, the big news, of course, on the Viking side of the ball, they did trade Stephon Diggs to your bills that we talked about a little bit earlier. They drafted Justin Jefferson to come in and try and fill that void there. Um, two and a half is how we sit right now. Vikings favorite at home. Yeah, you have to pay a little juice on the Vikings if you like the two and a half, but I think it's worth it. Uh, it should just be three. I'm going to be fading the Packers at all costs here early in the season, coming off the luckiest season we've seen in some time. Eight and one in one score games. They were third in turnover margin. Minnesota rated out better in every metric I've seen. I mean, they were they were better at pro football focus. They were better at at Football Outsiders DVOA. Uh, the Packers did nothing, like you said, to help Aaron Rodgers this year. They drafted a backup quarterback and a backup running back in the first two rounds. How does that make them better this year after they got slaughtered in the, in the NFC Championship game last year? It's just baffling stuff from this organization. And uh, I, I like I like the Vikings as a more prepared unit with a better coach coming into this one. They bring back every offensive player who played at least 200 snaps last year outside of Josh Klein and Stefan Diggs. They have a run-focused offense with Gary Kubiak now at the helm. And how did you beat the Packers last year? You ran the football. The, the 49ers showed that. It it's, was actually pretty easy. I mean, they are just so leaky uh, against the run. So I expect a big game here out of Dalvin Cook and, and the Vikings to kind of and maybe not run away with it, but I think this is going to be an easier win than than the two and a half shows. Well, Brad, we talked about how we would be trying to target teams with continuity. The The Packers have continuity, but it's on the bad side of things here. It's like it's it's all the same guys as last year on a team where we were going, God, yeah. if he only had some help, like, man, if this guy only had some help, maybe we wouldn't be talking about wasting all these years with one of the, you know, as far as like pure arm talent quarterbacks we've we've ever seen in Aaron Rodgers, but this organization continues to not give him what it seems like it needs to get it over the hump here. And they did it yet again. And we enter another season where there are a bunch of question marks, a bunch of holes here. And as Brett mentioned, they were on the right side of variance last year when it comes to everything. Do you feel like that starts uh, coming back down to earth here? Um, well, we have we have some disagreement at last. All um, right, here we go. Back the I like it. Here we go. Uh, about the Packers money line. Um, I just think they have quite big edges on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Um, I'm, I think there was, I think there's a reason they won both games against the Vikings last year. Um, and it, so just starting with the Packers offensive line, it's probably, it's, it's, um, it's fourth best in the NFL by pro football focus grades last year. Um, and basically if they can nullify the 
the Viking the Vikings pass rush. Like the Vikings back end is is nothing. It was it was awful last year. They brought in three new corners rookies. They're going to just throw everyone out there and see what sticks. Um, that's the, that's the opposite of continuity on the back end. And if your pass rush isn't getting home against this Packers O line, yeah yeah we worry about the Packers weapons, but. Basically, I'm worried if Devontae Adams is hurt, then what's next? Mm-hmm. Well, Adams is out there. They've got, they've got the running backs. And if, if they have time, I think Rodgers will find him. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, you've got these two great Smith pass rushing brothers against the 23rd best offensive line in the NFL, the Vikings there. So if they get down at all and they, are, they force Kirk Cousins to drop back without play action, without screens or whatever, I think he's just going to get sacked. Um, mm-hmm. So That is a concern. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my my concern is that the Vikings run the ball well and get up early, and that they're not forced to drop back like that. Um, but also, we saw last year the Packers were very good early in games. They the script that Matt Lafleur put together was effective. Um, you know, a lot of weeks that's why that's what they won so many first halves, and you know, teams were back it back in it in the second. But I don't think the Vikings are built to come back here. So um, yeah, I I I have, I have the Packers around a nine win team. I have the Vikings around an eight win team. Um, so yeah, I just I made a value on on the Packers 2.3 or plus 130 around this so I don't have a play on this one I will give you kind of my quick thoughts was that I was considering using the Packers as the kind of the second leg of that teaser that I talked about that I opened a little bit earlier taking the Packers from that two and a half up to eight and a half ultimately decided on a on a different game as uh, as where I was looking to to close a teaser out, I will say this. Typically, I would not be looking at road team. I, I would prefer always a home team in a teaser that I'm looking at. Um, I just tend to like the the home teams when it comes to these teasers. But uh, I don't think that this is something we really have to worry with moving forward. And you'll see my trend whenever I talk about the team that I did choose to to kind of go with that. Listen, there's going to be no fans in Minnesota at all. Zero fans. So we did see on Thursday night, there was a smattering of fans out there. You could hear them kind of ish in the background. Not really. Uh, Vikings going to have no fans whatsoever. So it's going to be an empty dome there. And we're going to have that in several different scenarios throughout the course of these games where home field advantage might not mean all that much in here in these first few weeks anyway until these teams decide how they're going to go about this whole fan situation. The Vikings being one of those teams that decided they were going to go no fans whatsoever in the stands there. It's week one. We don't have to worry about travel. Teams aren't coming off of a game at all or any of that. So a home field advantage to me is, I'm not going to say non-existent in week one here in 2020, the COVID season of our Lord here, but I will say that uh, it is it is far less for me here in week one of this. Uh, not really playing that into a lot of my handicapping here. Dolphins at the Patriots. Of course, we know the big news. Cam Newton is going to be starting at quarterback for the New England Patriots. On the other side, I, ev- I imagine we will eventually see Tua Tagovailoa under center for the Miami Dolphins before the end of the season, but that will not be the case as we get going here. It is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. We sit at six and a half as the spread in this one, 42 on the total over at DraftKings. Brad, do you have anything that you like one way or the other about this game? Yes, I have had a bet here. Um, I like the over. Um, So, the, the, the core core thing for me here is that I think I think Cam Newton is going to be he's going to blow the doors off in New England. I think mm. he's going to be superb. Um, I, I think the reason he's he's taken downturns in the last couple of seasons it was injuries and 
it, it was injuries because he took such a beating because it, you know he, he was he was a running back essentially. Mm. But he's had he's had a full twelve months off to to rest recover, um, and so I, I think I think also that the Belichick they've got him on a one year incentives contract. He's going to go. I don't I don't care if you can if you can walk next year. We're going to run the ball. Um, so I think he's going to take full advantage of Cam as a runner. I'm sure they've spent all camp working out sort of various like running back uh, quarterback sneaks and option plays and stuff like that. Um, and we know that running a running quarterback is just a, a huge matchup. So it's, it's like a cheat code. It just gives you an extra player on the play. It gives you someone unblocked essentially. Um, and we saw week one last year when the when the Baltimore Ravens went into Miami with this with this running quarterback, this whole scheme no one had seen, and they they just destroyed them. They were going for sort of eight yards a carry, and then so they stacked the box. They went over the top for fifty yards. Um, so I strongly believe the Patriots are going to score their points here. Um, I mean, also they they've got one of the they've got a top ten offensive line. The Dolphins' defensive line, I think, is going to be blown off the ball. So to me, it was then do I want the Patriots all the over? Um, and the but the Patriots' defense is being decimated somewhat. Um, you know, the list of players that is no longer playing is, is both safeties. It's three linebackers: Carl Van Noy, Danny Shelton, there, Patrick Chung, Jaron Harmon. That's, that's a lot of talent that's, that's just walked out the door. Um, and yes, they were the best defense in, in the NFL last year. We would expect that to regress anyway. They've lost all this talent, and then last year they had a really easy schedule. They played, you know, they played backup quarterbacks everywhere. So I don't think it's unreasonable that this could be a below average NFL defense this year. Um, and I believe enough in Fitzpatrick just chucking up YOLO balls that they can they can score their share of points to get us over a pretty low total. So we did not talk about these games beforehand, and we did not think that we were going to uh, agree. We will not, as we get into the season, uh, tend to agree as much as we are right now. The play in my account, too, is the, is the over in this game, and mainly because of what I know happens whenever the Dolphins get down and that Fitzpatrick will start throwing the ball all over the field. He has Devontae Parker. He has a healthy Preston Williams again in that lineup with him. And we know this team can score some points pretty fast. Why they don't just play like they're losing by 24 all game. I don't really know. They should just like, they should just enter the game with the mindset. They're down 24 points and see what happens. They they, they should just abandon all reason and thinking when it comes to it. But uh, I've seen this. We talk about continuity. Yeah, there's been some change over in, in Miami a little bit there, but we kind of know what this team's about. We kind of know what to expect from this team, and we certainly know what Devontae Parker, what Fitzpatrick, and they can do with this offense whenever they get down. And so I do expect them to get down in the game, and I expect them to be able to score some points when they do get down. So I took the over 42 as well. What say you, Brett? Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is great for overs. Not just because they can score in garbage time, but they give they give up points and opportunity in garbage time because Fitzpatrick just goes into DGAF mode, makes terrible throws, and the yeah, we Patriots might get a, yeah, we might get a get defense, yeah, we might get a defensive like, touchdown out of that as well, right? Yeah, so I, I like the over too. My my play here though is the Patriots, and it's funny because it's a team I've been blasting <laughs> all off season, but I I do actually think they're going to come into this game ready and motivated after that Week 17 debacle. Last year, and Miami's a little overhyped for my liking, considering all the turnover they had in this coaching staff and roster in the offseason. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, a lot of new players on the defensive side of the ball. That's a lot to overcome uh, during a short and very strange training camp. 
and you're facing football's greatest planner in Bill Belichick. I think the Patriots are going to come into this game well prepared, far more prepared than Miami. I think this should be seven or seven and a half. So if you can get six and a half, I will go grab it right now. Let's talk about the Eagles and the Washington football team here. A game that I will go ahead right off the bat and let you know I do not have a play. So I'll be deferring to you guys if you have anything in your account. Sitting at five and a half right now in favor of the road Eagles. The total of 42 and a half over at FanDuel, uh, 42 and a half over at DraftKings as well. The Eagles did activate Alshon Jeffrey off the pup list, which I thought was interesting because that must mean that they think he's going to be able to play at some point here in the first few games of the season. General thinking he was going to be out until the the six games uh, of the year, but that does not look to be the case. I don't think he's going to play in week one here, but they did get some good news in practice this week. Jalen Rager had been banged up. He was back practicing in full. Their big draft pick that they brought in to kind of give them some help in the passing game. It looks like he's going to be good to go here in week one. On the Washington side of things, Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson released. Looks like maybe they're turning to Antonio Gibson, maybe some little, maybe Bryce Love mixed in there as well at the running back position. Uh, going with Dwayne Haskins, of course. Alex Smith did make the team, so who knows? Maybe we'll see him down the uh, down the line, whatever, however that might go. Um Brad, any play here for you in this one? Like I said, this was uh, one of the very first games I just I, I marked off here. I actually think Washington's going to have a pretty good defense this year. And with the weird situation that's going on with the Eagles and the offense and whatnot, uh, first game of the year, I decided this was just a pass for me. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll probably agree with you. I wanted to be the Redskins plus the six, um, just because I, I think Haskins showed a, a fair bit of upside. Um, my concern is this offensive line, which is again projects to be one of the worst bottom five in the NFL by PFF grades, and they're going up against the stacked Eagles um, D line. You know, they got mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox, they added Malik Jackson. Um, so I just, yeah, I just can't see can't see Haskins having any time back there um and so yeah it, it was a pass for me in the end it's, especially if the Eagles have got the, the, some weapons any, any, anyone opposite Deshaun Jackson um then suddenly it's, it's a different game in my view because if, you, if you've got him on his own and you can just double cover him with the safety there then you can nullify him but if, if you've got a single cover him and also worry about Jalen Rager then then I think you start to open it up a bit so a uh, pass for me Brett, uh, you gonna come? You gonna come with some hot take here and, and tell us a side that we should be on or uh, anything like that? Or is this will make your card? Not, not yeah. really. No, uh, I mean, I like Washington. I lean Washington. They're a team that's always under underappreciated in the market. That's the case again here. Even though this is suddenly, like you said, one of the better, more you know, up and coming mm-hmm. defenses, one of the better young pass rushes in the NFL right now. I think they will be able to create pressure. Uh, and force Wentz into some uncomfortable situations, especially if Lane Johnson doesn't play at right tackle. And yeah, Eagles lacking healthy bodies. We know how this turns out. So I, I do think there is a little value with with the Redskins. Yeah, right now, it, Redskins with Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, don't worry about it. That's going to take a whole season of, of us. Like, yeah, yeah uh, with doing all that. Uh, we're recording this on Friday morning. Uh, we know that late money comes in typically late money from recreational betters comes in. We know that the Eagles is a betting are are in a betting market as well. So this thing might could get to six 
if it were to get to six, I would pull the trigger, I think, on Washington. For a small play here, I think that the, the six would be would be pretty good for me. So keep an eye on that if you are out there and leaning towards Washington. Uh, we do have a, a, a lot of a lot of New Jersey money, a lot of Philadelphia money that could be coming in on, on the Eagles here a little bit later. Raiders at the Panthers, a very, very new look Panthers team with Teddy Bridgewater. Matt Rule is now the coach. They bring in Joe Brady to be the passing game offensive coordinator there for this team. They bring in Robbie Anderson. So they bring in a speedster as well to go along with Christian McCaffrey, who has been absolutely unbelievable the last couple of years there. DJ Moore, one of the brightest up and coming receivers as well. So lots to maybe in the future like about this Panthers team if they can get the other side of the ball taken care of. And we talked about how bad some of these defenses are projected to be. Well, this Panthers team is projected to have one of the bottom three defenses in all of the NFL, which is going to create problems for them all year long. The Raiders lost Tyrell Williams for the season. So now they are going to have to have a bunch of young receivers step up and be the man right from the get-go here. So this is pretty interesting scenario again week one so I'm not real worried about the whole travel thing but you do have the Las Vegas Raiders traveling across the country to play the Carolina Panthers right now Brett three-point favorites are the Raiders over the home Panthers yeah I don't have a lot here I need to see the Panthers Mm -hmm. play with Matt Rule uh at the helm I I would probably lean the Raiders, just because uh, of the continuity thing that we've, we've been talking about all show, I don't. I really don't know what this Panthers offense is going to look like. I do like. I, I do like the over here because of. I, I think the the Panthers overs are going to be a play early in the season. I don't think people really appreciate how bad this defense is and how underrated this offense is. Like you said, they have a lot of really nice pieces here in this offense, and Teddy Bridgewater, I think, is going to be fine. So. Uh, I'm looking at over. I really don't have a play on the side. Brad, 47 and a half, the total. I agree with Brad here. I don't have a a play on the side. I don't know what I'm going to get from this Panthers team and with no preseason at all to have any sort of inkling as to how this is going to play out. I'm going to need to get a little bit of Panthers film under uh, under my belt here before I really start to back this team. That being said, what I am pretty confident in is they're going to have a bad defense. I'm also pretty confident in the fact that they should be able to score on the Raiders defense as well. It would be an over or pass for me. How do you see this one? Um, yeah, I like, I like the over and I, I quite like the Raiders side, I think. It is it, just that that continuity angle. So yeah. they're switching to a 4-3 defense um, and that they lose like Luke Tickley, Bruce Irving, Mario Addison, Gerald McCoy, basically – the entire yeah. defense is yeah. brand new. And then, so they were coming in with Dante Jackson, Eli Apple at corner. They were both terrible anyway. Now, Eli Apple's out for the season. Um, so, meanwhile, the Raiders, they already had a, a top 10 offensive line. They've got weapons. They've got um, Henry Ruggs, who obviously is like 46, I think he runs. Uh, Darren Waller is more than capable, Hunter Infra in the slot. So, I, I think, <laughs> I, I can't see how they could even have a competent defense, switching mm-hmm. schemes, switching coordinators like 10 new players in there so i think the raiders are going to score and then as you say if, if they force bridgewater to air it out with those two receivers on the outside with mccaffrey in there um against a, a raiders team which has zero effective cornerbacks as far as i can tell um then yeah i went over 47 and a half and i like raiders minus three can can Bridgewater air it out? Yes, yes, like the Saints, yes. The Saints didn't let him last year. I, I mean, he just so. listen. He I, <laughs> he can. And listen, you got to remember 
Re- remember, and it's a different scenario, and I understand, and it's playing against NFL players and all that, but like, remember what Joe Brady was able to do with Joe Burrow in one season and come in and take him from a guy who might have been a free agent signing to the number one pick in the draft in the course of one season. I think he can scheme up some stuff for this offense with all those playmakers here. I think the Carolina offense is going to be very fantasy friendly. Like if you're a if you're a fantasy player, like I think it's going to be a very fantasy friendly offense for you. The and especially because of the defensive situation, where I believe they're always going to be playing from behind. So uh, it could be a fun team to back from that aspect. Anyway, so do like me an over or pass there on that one. Now, this game is the game I was talking about. So the Colts and the Jaguars. Of course, Phillip Rivers under center for the Colts now. Drafted him some weapons and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman to go along with T.Y. Hilton and in Paris Campbell that are already there in town. The Jaguars released Adrian Peterson, traded A.J. Bouye away to the Broncos. It looks as if they have decided to tank for the season it looks as if maybe they are trying to move over to Brad's homeland over there is what's going on. Maybe that's what's what this is all about. But it does not look like this Jaguar team has any plans on winning this year. I typically would not use a road favorite in a teaser really ever. But then a lot of the factors that I brought into play is I'm going to have to adapt as the season goes on because – one, it's week one, the travel thing. I'm not all that worried about that. That plays into it Two, fans in the stadium, not going to be there as well. Home field advantage in Jacksonville was basically non-existent as it was anyway. It is certainly going to be non-existent now. And to be able to pull this thing down, we're sitting at eight at DraftKings. We're sitting at seven and a half at both FanDuel and at BetMGM in this one. So to get the Colts through the seven, through the three, down to one and a half over at uh, over at MGM or FanDuel. That is how I'm closing out that teaser that I mentioned that I opened a little bit earlier here. I'm going to have the Colts plus uh, minus one and a half on the road at the Jaguars. Brett, tell me I am crazy that I am going to be uh, teasing this team down. It is a road favorite. It is a cardinal sin. I know I don't care. Yeah, I mean, we like the Colts coming into the year. We've made that very clear. This is a stay away for me until I see what the Colts practice report looks like on Friday. They've had off key offensive linemen not practice or practice limited this week. That's obviously a concern because everything with that team starts up front on that offensive line. Uh, but I think it's a, I think it's a pretty safe play. The Jaguars are, they're a weird team. I'm a culture guy. Like I think culture definitely matters. We've seen it work with the Colts. We've seen it work with the Bills. Um, And I think the Jaguars took a step in the right direction there with, by releasing Leonard Fournette, by getting rid of some of these guys who didn't want to be there. And now you've got a guy in Gardner Minshew, who's the fun guy that players want to be around. I think they, I think they're going to be fine in that respect. They're going to want to play football. I I certainly don't think you're going to see players on the Jaguars just tanking games like we saw last year so i think i think the jaguars will be better than people think this year but this man i i think i'm okay with the jaguars at plus eight or seven and a half at seven i get a little nervous (laughs) uh but i think i think you can get eight brad what you think about this one um i think anyone anyone with a model is going to tell you that the jaguars are the play here um but I am terrified of this Colts offensive line against this patchwork Jaguars defensive line. Um, you know, I, I read I've read a couple of 
like trenches previews today and both said the number one mismatch of the week is that is that Colto line. Um, and you, it's, it's tough to know, you know, people go, oh yeah, Jaguar, the Jaguars are still an NFL team. So it, right. you know, they shouldn't be laying, they shouldn't be getting eight points, but we don't, we don't know that yet. I, I don't <laughs> know for sure. I don't know really any, any of the players starting on the D line. Um, and there is a chance they just get blown out of the water like the Ravens and the Dolphins last year, which is, not dissimilar i've heard a few people compare these games um so for me it's a stairway because i, I just there there is a real chance the colts just destroy them and pick mm-hmm. up six yards of carry and win 24 nil so 24 nothing so stay away for me yeah i was not willing to back them at eight or eight now at seven and a half but to get that thing to where i could win this with a field goal win this game by a field goal i was pretty confident in closing out the teaser with that so uh that's my play my position on that one browns at the ravens and this is one of the more interesting ones to break down very interested to hear everybody's thoughts on this one so we come into this the browns were the hype team the browns were the bucks of last season so like that it was that they were the team getting all the hype they were the team getting all of the pub they disappointed greatly so with that in comes a new scheme new regime here we have a you know everyone's in the best shape they've ever been in their whole life and everyone's as focused as they've ever been. And you've never seen a more focused Odell Beckham, yada, yada, yada. You know, we hear of all, we hear all the hyperbole all the time. Everyone's in, everyone's in the best mood, the best shape. That's the best they've ever looked. Yada, yada, yada. Seven and a half home favorites are the Ravens over the Browns. Brad, we are looking at a Browns team here. That, um, you know, Austin Hooper, they add him at tight end. So get another weapon for Baker Mayfield in there. They did lose one of their top draft picks in Grant Delpit, who was going to start for them on the defensive side of the ball. Lost him in training camp out for the season there. This Browns defense, 30th DVOA against the run last year. And I don't know if you saw Brad or not, but this Ravens team, they 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 like to run. They like to run. They're They're a running team. Yes. Um, I, I wonder how relevant, like, because the Ravens aren't, it's not a running game, is it? It's, it's not like, right. you know, it's not duo to the right side. It's it's, it's the whole, it's a whole completely different thing. Um, so I'd throw that out a little bit. Um, and I, I kind of value the fact that they saw Lamar Jackson twice last year and that they've had the entire offseason again to prepare for Lamar. Um, so so I, I have back the Browns plus eight and a half. Um, so par- partially it's that familiarity. Um, secondly, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about some of the changes on the Ravens. Um, Earl Thomas is gone, we know. Um, and he, he was the single best safety in coverage by um, Next Gen Stats completion expectation um, stat. He was, he was three percentage points better than any other safety in the league. Um, and, and a lot of the Ravens' defensive scheme was built on, we're going to cover you one-on-one on the back end and then send five or six and, and just speed you up that way. So if the coverage isn't as good on the back end, they don't really have the pass rushes to win one-on-one. So it, it does, I think, bugger the scheme up a little bit. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Then um, obviously they lost Marshall Yonder, probably an all-pro all pro guard as well. So the running game might not be as efficient. And then broadly on the Browns, um, I, I like the Browns a lot this year. Um, obviously, they brought in the new coach, um, and he, he's going to have to present an analytics game plan each week. That was kind of one of the stories that came out uh, to show, you know, there, there will be play action. 
And I, I just think there's going to be so much. There's just natural upside from not having Freddie Kitchens there. You know, right. you, you heard all these stories where they would game plan all week. He then he would try and call plays for Todd Munkin's offense, where Todd Munkin's running air raid offense with four wideouts. Then Kitchens comes in and starts trying to run two tight ends. And then if a play works, they would just run it again. And you, there, there were rumors of them like just making up plays on Saturdays. So I just think they've actually got a professional team. Um, and if you think about the win total at the start of last year, I think it was nine or so. And I think that's much more realistic for where we are now mm-hmm. with, you know, they've still got all that talent, but now they have actual competent coaching. So so I'm high on them. I th- the Ravens are going to take a little step back, I think. Um, and, and seven and a half, eight, I think is too big points. So, Brett, we look here, and, and Brad just mentioned it. We're, took, we're talking about a Ravens pass rush that, that was graded out at 27th in the league last year, according to Pro Football Focus. They did not do a ton to improve upon that stat. And one thing that we saw with Baker Mayfield is under pressure, he was wet in the bed. But whenever he had time to throw, Baker Mayfield had some had some really good games and had some games where you would look and you'd sit there and you'd scratch your head and you like, okay, well, that's the guy we thought this guy might be able to be in the NFL. Now, coaching, new coaching staff in here, new game plan. I actually think there's a little bit of a buy low spot here on this Browns team. Ravens, for the, you know, top of mind memory of the Ravens is them just beating the hell out of everybody last year. Top of mind memory about the Browns is them disappointing so badly last year. Uh, eight points in the NFL, a ton of points. Uh, I, I actually will, uh, I'll take the eight here with the Browns. Yeah. I mean, it opened at nine and a half mm-hmm. and then sharps were like, Whoa, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> like that's, that can't be right. And so the lines come down a few points, not that it really matters. Cause we're still in that dead zone between seven and a half and, and, you know, nine and a half, but I'm conflicted because I am a big Browns believer this year. I just don't like the matchup mm-hmm. here with that piss poor, rush defense against the Ravens. Uh, like you said, 30th uh, against the run last season, and they didn't do a whole lot to address that. Uh, you know, a new scheme on defense, new play, on-field play caller, Joe Schobert's gone. Yeah. And Delpit uh, would have helped with that so, a lot. Like Delpit yeah. was, Delpit, Delpit was yeah. a, the guy that they brought in specifically because he is a, was a hard-hitting safety-type guy, like not necessarily known all that well for his coverage, but certainly as a run stopper. And uh, that I think that's a pretty big loss on the defensive side of the ball for them. Yeah, and the other thing is I, I, I like Cleveland's pass rush. I think they're going to be able to apply a lot of pressure this year, but that's not really going to matter mm. against the Ravens. That's just not how they run yeah. their offense. So, yeah, I just, I just don't like the matchups, which is weird because the Browns have had a lot of success playing in Baltimore over the years. But I think this, man, I, I think this is a fair line. I just, I'm not going anywhere near it. Head to the Chargers and the Bengals, and I'll kick this over to you guys whenever we talk about teams with continuity. Neither one of these have any it at all. And so uh, this was another one right off the bat. I, I scratched off the list here. I don't know what to expect from either one of these teams. We expect that there should be decent offense out of Cincinnati. You do have A.J. Green coming back and, of course, all the other weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball. But it's still a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow, whether you think that he's going to be successful or not, then on the other side of the ball here for the Chargers, out Phillip Rivers, who'd been there forever, in Tyrod Taylor, Melvin Gordon's gone, it's going exclusively with Austin Eckler, uh, just uh, question marks with the injury concerns, Mike Williams, all of that, Brad, um, if you have opinions here on this one, I'd love to hear them, but this was, uh, this was, a, this was a tough one for me, so I ran away. Um, yeah, going back to the old faithful with this Bengals offensive line, 
31st by Pro Football Focus going up against uh, Joe, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram um, with, a, with a rookie court, quarterback back there. Um, <laughs> at, at LSU, Joe Burrow obviously had probably the, the best supporting cast in the entire college uh, world there. And I think he might find life quite different uh, now he's got those two going after him and the second worst uh, offensive line in the NFL. Um, and Tyrod Taylor, he's he wasn't good most recently, but he's always been a bit of an analytic darling because he doesn't turn the ball over and he does have the legs. Um, so I just think we might see a professional quarterback and a professional team dispatch a rookie here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually had a small bet on the on the minus three. Brad, I mean, uh, Brett... Three-point road favorites are the Chargers here. Um, if Phillip Rivers was under center, I think this would probably be bigger. I think that there's probably maybe a little bit of disrespect coming from Tyrod Taylor. And I know you will not stand for that because as a former Bill, Tyrod Taylor had some good years for you. He did. I am the biggest Tyrod Taylor stand. I, I, I'm just always, always, I still wear Tyrod Taylor jerseys to Bill's games. Like I just, I, I like Josh Allen, but Tyrod will always be my guy because he's always underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Even Bill's fans here hated him, which is just ridiculous because he led us to a playoff, the first playoff appearance in 20 some <laughs> years. So yeah, I think Tyrod's fine. I think especially for this game where you just kind of go in, don't do anything stupid and get out of there. Let your, let your pass rush uh, win a football game for you. And then really that's, I have no play in this game. The one thing I will be watching is how Jonah Williams uh, is able to protect against this pass rush with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. If Jonah Williams is fine this year, like with, with Jonah Williams goes Joe Burrow this year is how I'm looking at it. Like if Williams is bad, Burrow is really going to have a tough season and we're going to see that right out of the, right out of the gate with this pass rush. So I don't have a play. I'm just more looking at that matchup with Williams against both. You guys were watching hard knocks. You'll know Derwin James out for the season for the chargers, a big bummer there for that defense. One of their best players, if not the best player on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, this is going to, I'm just going to take this one in, try to learn as much as I can about Mm -hmm. these two teams through one game. And then hopefully I can at least form some sort of opinion Uh, Moving forward, Cardinals at the 49ers. Of course, the 49ers blow the lead in the Super Bowl. Here they come back, get a home game against the Cardinals. We're looking at the 49ers as six and a half point favorites, a total of 48 and a half. Um, Brett, are you believing in the Super Bowl hangover? Are you believing that they are, you know, questioning their lives and how in the hell can they play this season because they blew a lead in the Super Bowl six months ago, eight months ago, and there is no way that this team could succeed. I am not (laughs) buying into that. I think this team is going to be just fine. I'm concerned about the injuries uh, in the passing game Mm. in week one uh, because they're all dead. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know who they're going to line up at wide receiver on Sunday, but they still have George Kittle. They still have this rushing attack, which is arguably the best in the NFL. Um, So I... I don't understand the steam really uh, with the Cardinals. They have been very popular here in week one. Uh, We've seen it move through the key number to, I think it's six and a half. I don't, I don't know why I don't really understand that. So, I mean, this is kind of a stay away from me because I don't really understand why the line is moving the way it is. I guess I need to look into it more, but apparently the, the Cardinals are a very sexy team 
uh, in the market right now. Brad, to, to Brett's point here, he's talking about Debo Samuel likely not being ready for this game, even though I'm reading an article right now that just posted 20 minutes ago. They talked to Kyle Shanahan and he is, quote, hopeful that Debo Samuel will be back out on the practice field today, where, again, we're recording this on Friday morning. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, their draft pick, did make it back onto the practice field on Thursday, which is at least a good sign for them that he would be able to go. But, um, yeah, they're at least at the very least, you're going to have a couple of guys that are not 100% out on the field. And then on the other side of the ball for this Cardinals team, of course, the big splash, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, I – I can kind of understand the line move. Um, you know, the, the 49ers have got the the hallmarks of a regression candidate. Just, you know, they were built on the defense. The coverage probably outperformed based just based on the help you've got from the pass rush. You know, you've got Richard Sherman, who's 32, possibly stepping back a bit. Emmanuel Mosley on the other side. So, you know, you, they're more, they, they project out as kind of a 10-win team. And if you look at the Cardinals, they're, they're close to an 8-win team. Um, you know, just based on football outsiders' projections. And I can see how Hopkins would be a huge upgrade because they they, they had, you know, Christian Kirk was kind of the, the lead option and, he, and, and Larry Fitzgerald, and neither of them got that much separation. So it just kind of knocks them all down. It takes a mm. lot of load off all them if suddenly Hopkins is the lead target. And it might encourage Murray to cut it loose a bit more. Like you, you watch, watch his tape, you watch his highlights, and he was very conservative a lot of the time. I don't know if that was just being small. Like he would step out of bounds rather than swing it. He would, you know, slide rather than try and take on a tackler. I don't know if he was told to, but it, yeah, it, I would just wonder if he will be a little bit more aggressive now. Now he's in his second year. Now he's got better weapons. Um, but yeah, <laughs> again, I, I think six and a half is fair. If it got back to seven, I, I do like the Cardinals for for the reason. Yeah, say I think the number's fair. Um, maybe would look at it a little bit more if it did get to that key number, but right now it uh, wasn't on my radar. So maybe I'll revisit if this number does change. On Sunday night, Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, Jarrah's Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing the Los Angeles Rams in this one. If you were watching uh, Hard Knocks along the way, you kind of got at least a little bit of an insight, a little bit of a look into the Los Angeles Rams as to what they're all about as we head in. Kind of our only peek into what was going on here in the preseason with no preseason games going on out there. Right now at BetMGM, the Dallas Cowboys are two and a half point road favorites. At FanDuel, it is a three, but again, that's an even money three um, on that one. And then over at DraftKings, looks like we're sitting at three and it looks like we're sitting at three over there as well. Are we sitting at three at DraftKings or are we, let's see. Three. Yeah, I saw three three there as well. So we're sitting at three in this one. Um, Brad, I am, I I don't want to, I hate to pass on two games in a row whenever we're trying to give analysis on games here. Um, but that being said, I actually really like the Cowboys as an offense this year. I think the defense should be pretty solid, kind of a bend-don't-break type situation. I think the Rams are kind of in that as well. I do favor the Cowboys over the Rams and had just a strictly in a vacuum head-to-head type situation, but then that's why they have the point spread. That's why we're sitting at three. I think everything seems pretty fair to me in this one, which leads me kind of to a no play. I'll just sit back on Sunday night and, and try to be entertained. 
Yeah, I, w- I was tempted towards the Rams. Um, one of it, yeah, it's a it's a night game out on the West Coast, which historically is uh, it does favour the the West Coast team. Uh, I know the Cowboys are central, so it's not it's not a full three hour advantage, um, but it's still a tiny little edge. Um, my the reason I kind of like the Rams is obviously the Cowboys have been the sexy team this year. I think in the off season because of all, all the analytics favour them. They're so good stat, stat by stat. Um, like the fourth best offense in the NFL, but just didn't quite deliver. Um, but I have questions about their offensive line. Obviously, the center retired, uh, and then the right tackle is is out. Lyle Collins this game as well. Um, and then obviously you, you you've got Aaron Donald in there. Um, and if you kind of if you've got two two replacement level starters, and suddenly you're trying to block Aaron Donald, um, I think that might not go super well. Um, so at three, at three, at three, I prefer the Rams, but it, it wouldn't be a big bet for me because you know, there are so many questions about their offensive line as well. Brad, uh, Brett, three and 51 and a half. Uh, if anything, maybe seems a little high to me, but again, nothing to trigger a play as I sit right now. Is anything in your account on this one? No, this is a fade for me. I like look, I will always and forever bet against Jared Goff when he's facing a team that can get pressure in his face. And the Rams really did nothing to address the offensive line in free agency or the draft, which is amazing. Seven seven rounds. They didn't draft a single offensive lineman. Uh, but the, the Cowboys aren't really that team for me. They don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So I don't see a whole lot of value uh, fading golf in this matchup. So this is kind of a stay away. I'm just going to enjoy the game, sit back and, and see what the Rams look like. We, we, like you said, we, we like the Cowboys coming into the year, but uh, kind of had this feeling last year too. I think we, had, I think we announced the Cowboys as Super Bowl champions after week one last year. So I, I guess we'll see how they how they turn out in this one. But um, yeah, I, I have no. Play yeah, here. line just seems fair to me. Uh, maybe if there's any yeah. sort of drastic move one way or the other, might could get me uh, enticed. Monday night, we have a Monday night doubleheader. The Steelers at the Giants kick things off. Steelers, five and a half point road favorites, a total of 46. Of course, uh, Brett, Big Ben is back under center for this Steelers team. So you at least think that that kind of is a, I don't know, about a million percent upgrade from what they were trying to do last year at the quarterback position. I don't care if he is shot putting the ball like maybe we've heard from from some of the beat reporters that he looks weird in his throwing motion after the, after the injury. But uh, you, you take a look at this. And to me, it's a, I'm on Steelers or pass here. There's no way I'm going to be backing the giants anytime soon. You hear kind of this clown show, gong show, whatever in the hell you want to call it coming out of their camp. Even the beat writers are kind of clowning on uh, what's going on with the Giants and everything. So for me, it's a Steelers or pass. I will admit, though, not in my account as we sit right now. I love the Steelers this week. <laughs> I absolutely love the Steelers. I, I I think this has the highest potential for a route in week one. I just don't see a path to the Giants winning this game against this pass rush. How are they going to block these guys? They're all back. Um, they're probably due for some regression just because of how good they were last mm-hmm. year, but this defense is still what it was last year. Very little change. And you're facing a Giants quarterback who is probably the most turnover-happy quarterback in the NFL. Fumbles constantly, throws picks. I think the Steelers are going to eat. And yeah, the, the ceiling for this team is exciting if Big Ben is good. So I, I love the Steelers here. Definitely in my account. 
Brad, what you think here? Uh, I, I, I'm Steelers or pass. He loves the Steelers. Come with a Giants take for us. <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> I've, I've not bet this one at all. I mean, again, if you're running numbers on this, I think you'd probably come up with a Giants plus six. But I, I'm, 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 Brett sold me on that on that pass rush against against the a an offensive line with, with holes at right tackle and at the centre, but also a quarterback who just sits in the pocket and is seemingly oblivious to like anything around him. The, his pocket presence is visible, um, so I would not be surprised to see a few sack fumbles and uh, taken the other way. So yeah, I'm uh, Steelers will pass for me as well. And then we head into the late Monday night game here, guys. It is the Titans at the Broncos and a much different game than it was even just a few days ago. The Titans, as we know, pretty much surprised everybody last year. I think there were some people who thought that they could be a solid team, certainly not the team that we ended up getting out of the Titans. The real big news here is the Broncos, and this all happened within the last week, and one happened within the last couple of days here. Von Miller out for the season for this Broncos team. Along with that, now Cortland Sutton, their big stud wide receiver, is day-to-day with an AC joint sprain, which is not good for a wide receiver. So here we sit with two pretty major injuries here. Brad, we actually saw, and now it didn't move through a key number or anything, but just on the Von Miller news alone, that this thing moved from the Broncos being a one point favorite now to a two and a half point dog in this one. So it did move through the zero, didn't get it all the way to a key number, but still a significant move. Nonetheless, how are you kind of handicapping this one now with all this, this news kind of coming out here in the last few days? Um, so I, I wanted to be with the Titans anyway. Um, I, I, I buy into this narrative that, um, you, you want to be a big, strong power running team earlier in the season um, because it, it takes less precision. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> ramming Derek Henry <laughs> into the line isn't, isn't like trying to organize a West Coast offense. Um, so, and I, I also just think so that I had concentrated out around a nine win team, the Broncos around a seven win team. Um, and then so you chuck these injuries on and you probably, probably push the Broncos down to kind of six and a half wins. Um, but I would be playing the first half. Obviously, I would imagine a lot. You're going to hear a lot about the the Broncos at home early in the season narrative, um, <clears throat> with with the you know the altitude mm. and players not being at full fitness yet. Um, I think it's like 22 and two in the last 24 years or something like that. Um, so I know, I know the Titans came out and said this week they're doing extra conditioning after practice, but you, you can't really um, replicate. A game scenario at altitude. So I think Titans first half, um, just get get the better team on side, and uh, then you don't have to worry about them tiring out second half. Brett, are you uh, are you looking into this at all? How do you feel about uh, how do you feel about this team now? I mean, I was kind of leaning towards the Titans anyway, as it was too, and now I'm getting the the worst of it. Even though again, it didn't make it to to a key number. So I don't know that. That's a little off-putting for me that I was I was leaning one direction and then now I'm getting the the worst of it. Yeah, I was very frustrated by the Von Miller news because the Broncos were a team I wanted to back early and often this season. I think they're they were a playoff caliber team. You can't say that about them anymore. Although I do think they're going to be 
better than people think without Miller, just because they get Bradley Chubb back. They added uh, Jarrell Casey on that defensive line as well. But until I see Drew Locke with some of these new pass catchers, especially if Cortland Sutton doesn't play, yeah, I can't put this in in my account. I will say though, this will be on my circuit card just because nobody is going to pick the Broncos, and I do think that three and a half point line move, even though, like you said, it wasn't through a key number. I th- I think that's extreme. I think that's unwarranted. So I I like the Broncos in a handicapping contest play uh, this week, but not in my betting account. Guys, uh, previews up for all of these games uh, over at thelines.com. Of course, you can find Brad's other great work that he does at our sister site over at legalsportsreport.com. So be sure and head over there if you're interested in the news side of things as well. But um, we are looking forward to hopefully a profitable week one here in the weirdest of week ones where we don't know a ton about most of these teams. So we're all going to be watching. We're all going to be studying. We're all going to be looking at numbers up and down here. And hopefully uh, as we come to you guys for week two podcast, we'll have a little bit better insight as to what these teams are all about. And hopefully we can make even more cash here, but appreciate you being with us for Brad, for Brett. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.